We now know that Darwin was eventually forced to publish when a young naturalist, Alfred Russel Wallace, sent Darwin a short essay with his own independent but remarkably similar account of evolution by natural selection. But in the 20-year period between Darwin's own initial essay and the publication of The Origin, he managed to keep his ideas largely secret. Between 1844 and the publication of The Origin of Species in 1859, Darwin, as far as we know, only told three people about his theory of natural selection. It was bad enough to be an evolutionist, but to have a respectable, Darwin thought, theory to explain it laid him open to even more opprobrium, and, of course, to people who would want to rip him off and take that theory and use it possibly for anti-God purposes. Darwin wasn't anti-God. He wasn't prepared to allow his life's work to be exploited in that way. So Darwin pursued a strategy of fortifying his theory, anticipating every possible objection he could think of, and answering it with sledgehammer blow after sledgehammer blow of facts, as he said. But to build a convincing case required evidence, and he needed all his powers of observation, argument, analysis, and where necessary, persuasion. He had to tread a fine line because he needed information. And he, as he, he said, pumped people to get that information. He did it in a way that did not expose his theory or expose him to suspicion. A few times he did tip his hand and say, you know, I'm unorthodox on this subject. But generally speaking, he would only say, I'm interested in the variation of species or the origin of species. In other words, where they originate on Earth. And every creationist was interested in where God created. So origin, variation. He used those words in pumping people for information. But he, of course, had his own meaning attached to them. So in that way, Darwin was managing his self-defense before he ever went public. He was acquiring the information he needed to back up his theories against all the objections he knew would rain down upon him once he went public, whenever that was. Not that Darwin was opposed to the discourse on which science rests. Rather, he was supremely astute at how he engaged with it. But quite apart from that, Moore argues that the debates which took place over Darwin's theories were part of a wider struggle. Science is controversy. Science is conjecture and refutation. The essence of science is disagreement, argument. Of course, consensus is formed. But that is an agonistic process. It is struggle. The stakes were really high in Darwin's day because Darwin's allies were fighting against the older, established naturalists who maintained that you could do science as a kind of self-subsidized gentlemanly activity. In Darwin's day, they were gentlemen naturalists. They were many of them fuddy-duddies to the new rising professional scientists. And it was that conflict between the old gentlemen naturalists, like Darwin, many of whom were compromised by religion, and the rising men that formed the context in which Darwin's theories were being debated. They weren't just being debated for their own sake. They were being debated as weapons in a struggle to professionalize science itself. 
And in the debate, Darwin did attract some notable allies, each a recognized expert in his field. They included the botanist Joseph Hooker, who later became director of Kew Gardens, and the zoologist Thomas Henry Huxley. He also cultivated allies in the United States, notably the Harvard professor Asa Gray. Darwin was, you might say, stage managing his reception already before he had published, and sure enough, some of these younger naturalists, particularly Thomas Huxley, came out on his side after the Origin of Species was published. Not because they agreed with him a hundred percent. Huxley never really accepted the natural selection was proved. But they were jolly well going to insist as loudly and as long as possible that Charles Darwin will be respected. He will not be patronized by clergymen. He will not be denigrated by old naturalists. This man is not doing something wrong or immoral, subversive. He has an argument that deserves to be heard. They saw him as a great granite edifice, a man who knew far more about most of their fields than they themselves did. Darwin really was phenomenal, and he had the inevitability about his reasoning and his questioning. I liken it to a glacier. He moved slowly but inexorably, and he ground everything before it. And people knew that. There was a power in this man, really quite awesome power across the natural history fields. At the same time, Darwin's allies were aware that his influence could work to their own advantage. They could use Darwin's theories, his reasoning, his apparent omniscience, as a way of getting themselves accepted. Those who stood in his aura could claim to be independent authorities in science and in the understanding of life on Earth. Life on Earth and human life on Earth will now be a science. It will not be part of religion. It's remarkable how a man with such a radical theory managed to transform scientific and cultural thought without sacrificing his reputation, even becoming a celebrity of sorts. By the time Darwin died in 1882, I think it's fair to say that most intellectual people, whether they were Christians or not Christians, um, accepted that evolution, natural processes, produced the diversity of life on Earth. But this was God's evolution for most thoughtful people. Um, I mean, Darwin was born in Westminster Abbey, wasn't he? He didn't get there for being an atheist or, or an out-and-out agnostic. Uh, he got there because by 1882, he was welcomed as a, an example of how respectable science could be done on the edge, producing a new theory of the origins of organic phenomena without necessarily contradicting God. The sort of the Isaac Newton of natural history. Isaac Newton showed how the planets move by natural forces. He's buried in Westminster Abbey. Darwin's a few yards away from Newton in Westminster Abbey. As far as the British establishment was concerned, there could be no more powerful endorsement than that. 